0: everyone everyone, uh, this is the 15th episode of the Making Sense Of podcast. Uh, it's the last one of 2020, so I don't know what we're actually calling this. Are we calling this Making Sense Of 2020? <laughs> um, we're joined by Bex, Heather, Liz, Tonya and Antonio. Do you want to just say hi? Hiya.
1: Hello. Hello. Hello.
0: Hello. Um, hello. Um, So yeah, so we are, you know, it's the last episode of the year, and we wanted to just kind of take stock and just look back over the kind of 14 episodes we've recorded so far. Um, And just trying to maybe get a bit of a sense of, you know, it's the end of the year and, you know, I think time for reflection and time for thinking about how things have been and, you know, putting things to bed and hopefully, fingers crossed, touching words, doing everything we can, hoping for a better year next year. but I guess, you know, what we wanted to do with this podcast was just to kind of step back a little bit, or maybe even quite a lot, um, and just think about, you know, why we wanted to put this podcast out, and, you know, what were the kind of reasons that led up to it, and, you know, and I guess, you know, talking about why it was important for us to do it. um, Just out of interest, what, what are your memories of that? What are your memories of that, you know, leading up to the point of us wanting to a podcast out into the world.
2: It was quite scary, wasn't it? I mean, we, we were all kind of in limbo and kind of not knowing what was going on, and, and then kind of realizing the kind of like that how vast the issue was and that it wasn't going to go away quickly. So, yeah, it was a bit daunting, I guess.
0: So, this was back in like March, when was it March 17th or something? We closed the office.
3: Yeah, yeah, around March 17th, and um me, you and Tonya um, had just finished a day on PFC and it was a bit like, oh my God, um, we we can't run courses for the foreseeable future. Um, I think I remember us having a period, just like a week, where we turned our laptops off, we just kind of recalibrated at home, watched like shit loads of news Um, and then we had a team meeting, I think on Monday and we were like, what is it we do? What are we gonna what are we gonna do? Like we don't have any, we, we can't run courses, we can't run face-to-face courses. Um, and I remember that being a really long team meeting where we were like trying to brainstorm like what's next? Where do we go? Mm.
4: Yeah, I can second that. I think um it was really, really kind of scary and it was weird because we're so used to our routine coming into the office and doing what we have to do. And then it was like being sort of like landed in your home and not really knowing what to do so that I remember that, that first team meeting that we had as well like trying to get our heads around it and what can we do
0: I think we were really lucky because we knew that we didn't need to follow anyone right from the start and I think it was kind of like yeah I think it was a week or two weeks where we just thought okay let's just like literally stop what we're doing and try and navigate the kind of immediate madness in our own lives and stuff. But I think there was a the sense of like, okay, this is really crazy, this time's crazy. And we've got something that I think could be really helpful and relevant and important to get out. But we had the conundrum of not being able to run our physical groups, which is how we would normally reach people.
2: I mean, whose genius idea was it? Who came up with the, the podcast idea?
0: I think it might have been mine, because I remember we were, I remember like we'd kind of talked about wanting to take some a bit of time off, but like wanting the team to, I'm going to contradict what I said earlier, I I don't think we were kind of taking two weeks off to just kind of sit in our asses. like I think there was a bit of a sense of like, okay, we're going to like take some time off, I don't think it was immediate, I don't think we thought like right from March that we were going to do a podcast, but do you remember there was that time of thinking like, let's use this time to like, continue to kind of learn as a team, you know, what are we, you know, how can we kind of keep learning skills from each other and how can we keep talking about kind of the FFC approach? And we started to do those skill sessions um, where we were talking about different kind of like theories that we thought it'd be really useful for all of you to understand and learn. And and then from there, I remember a friend of mine said, um, oh, I'd love to listen to your discussion. She's a clinical psychologist. And she was like, oh, I'd love to listen to your discussions. And that kind of planted a bit of seed as to kind of, oh, okay, we could record these and we could just chuck them out into the world and maybe people can listen to our discussions.
5: I think there was also, um, you know, a, a sense of us recognising that we wanted to keep in contact with the, peop- with the people we work with and people we'd worked with in the past. And, you know, still, uh still provide a sort of space where 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 connection can happen which is you know sometimes it is in our groups and the courses and programs that we run but a lot of the time people that we've worked with many years ago kind of still stay in touch with us and contact us so i think there was a there was a wider sense of wanting to kind of make this huge connection with everybody we would worked with at this time
4: Mm. at
5: this really difficult time
0: Can people say a bit more about why we, you know, no matter what was so important about us doing this? I mean, we thought it was a really good idea, but like, because I remember for me, there was something about recognising, you know, our work is very much about helping people to make sense of their life experiences, you know, in the present as, as much as in the past. And it kind of felt that, you know, there was this real... No, I remember feeling like our work took on this relevance that I don't think it's ever really had before because it felt really kind of topical and it felt really immediate. And it felt like actually there was this real kind of puzzle to solve around, you know, we wanted, you know, we really saw the the value of our work um, and people kind of like getting from it what they would have done in our groups. And then us knowing that we weren't able to run groups And kind of just, yeah, I remember that being a real driving force to like thinking, okay, how can we crack this?
3: Yeah, and also, you know, on top of that, it was kind of relating to the circumstances, you know, everybody was in at the time and still is, which is COVID and lockdown and, um, you know, having to self-isolate. And it was kind of, you know, the topic, um, the topics we cover um, across our courses um a breakdown really kind of like meaty heavy information and make it digestible and quite bite sized so it felt like the podcasts were a way to kind of look at those big subjects kind of relate it kind of like to what people are experiencing during covid covid but doing it in a way which is really manageable fun and digestible mm.
2: And I guess, you know, we've spoken about this and, and I spoke, speak about it with my friends when I was doing the course uh, about how relevant what we learn in the course is to, to kind of like life and your way of thinking and managing with things that happen in your, in your life. And it is, you know, not just related to people, you know, who have had issues of substance abuse. You know, it could be it's. It's like everyone should go on the course, everyone needs to go on the course, not, not just, you know, people in recovery. So that, that kind of thing of like taking taking those things that we, we learn that are really, really kind of like useful, important, the ways that we think and deal with issues um, and unpack all that and, and being able to kind of use that in a kind of like fear of like the situation that we're in now with 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 COVID and, and being able to kind of take those those kind of skills um and and use them and then kind of like you know and be able to help help us deal with with what's going on in this kind of like powerless situation that we that we've been thrown in.
0: So looking back now, I mean it's I don't know, for me I just think it's pretty impressive that we've we've you know this our 15th episode um and you know last when did we start feminism for change online last month yeah our first yeah. ever like online adaptation of our courses and you know there's there's more to come of those but i think you know looking back over the last 14 15 podcasts you know stepping back and and thinking about the topics we've covered and having this you know this perspective that we do now i guess i'm curious to ask like what what does the making sense of podcast mean to you so
4: for me basically is um says it on the tin because it was literally making sense of the situation that we were thrown into um and then as we as we've been going along it's sort of um each topic that we do not every single topic but most of the topics that we do i can sort of take something out and it helps me to navigate where i am in this um covid world at the moment
0: and so what you want like other people to get similar
4: Yeah, I'd like, you know, i really like for people to try and listen and then to understand certain things um, that is going on for them maybe and in the world. So it's about um, making sense of, it's like written on the tin is exactly what what it is and what I would like for people to get out of it is making sense of all different sorts of things. But especially while we're sort of thrown into this um, ongoing COVID, um, yeah, making sense of it in that in this world and not just pre-COVID world. I guess you know, taking,
2: I'm totally agreeing with what what Tonya said. It, it's it's um, taking it out and using it now. I, when I was in the course, it was like using, looking at those ways of thinking, um, and kind of like changing the perspective. So from being like a real negative thing or negative reactions to things and doing things that were really, really unhealthy to being able to sort of change my way of thinking and unpacking that through the use of like the theories that we we teach. And, And I think that the podcast is like these bite sized bits of that, that we can kind of like throw out there and talk about and kind of like you know maybe even like sneak a little theory in there you know when no one's looking at and it just like in in, in a really accessible way so that you can kind of like take those things that you've learned and and kind of use them in, in the situation we are in now
3: and I sometimes think like the the you know when I was sort of saying before these big topics these big heavy theories like um, i don't really have time to read freud uh his deep psychoanalysis you know uh 12 volumes of at the at the start of lockdown um uh so i find that kind of uh what the podcast sort of aim to do is take bits of theories or bits of history um and uh look at kind of like you know those through the lens of kind of You know, experiencing COVID and having to go through it and manage it.
0: Mm. I also really love the fact that you can kind of go back and re-listen to stuff. You know, I was just thinking about people say when they've done our courses because quite often they're like, what, like twenty sessions. Some of them like twenty-four day sessions. Some, you know, some of them kind of. a bit less, but quite often people say at the end, like, oh my God, this, this was so amazing. And there was just loads of things that we covered. I can only remember like 5% of everything we covered, which is really normal because we do cover a lot of stuff, but there's something really great about like, A, we're, we're just trying to like highlight these little bite-sized bits of information and B, you know, people can go back and listen to them as much as they want.
5: I think um, sometimes when you first encounter new ideas, you know, it takes a little while to process things and for, for you know, for them to sort of to make well to make sense of it keep using that, that term but to, you know when you, I can remember kind of first reading some books um when I when I was studying in my late 30s and uh, you know first time round, I kind of I would read something and the second time round, time round, I'd read it and I'd get something completely different from it so you know knowledge isn't just some big block that you either understand or don't it, it you know it's a kind of it's a relationship thing and I like to think of the podcast as having a really um satisfying chat with some friends you know it's not it's not nothing definitive it's not um the end of the conversation it's just a conversation Mm -hmm. and I think for lots of people lockdown has 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 meant that they feel quite lonely and they might not necessarily be on their own they might be you know stuck with their family but still they can feel lonely so I'd like to think of it as a, a just a really enjoyable conversation and a bit of contact with with people who are saying some interesting things
0: which is kind of what we try to aim for our like, groups isn't it
5: yeah I think so yeah you know, you know it's just
0: not- like people coming together and taking stuff apart you know we we are the ones who bring bits of theory but you know we're not the authority figures in that sense it's just a bit like you know people have got the ability to take stuff apart themselves and to me the groups and the podcasts and seminars is that just a really interesting and great opportunity to just have really bloody meaty interesting juicy chats
5: i think you know we're, we're trying we're trying to do this on the courses and the podcasts because I think I think school really scars quite a lot of people and it scars okay. how, how people kind of think they should learn and I think I think one of the things we're always trying to do is look at the power and balances in 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 kind of learning something um and and not to be experts mm-hmm. to, to have a discussion rather than um just telling people things so you know I I think that's what we're trying to do with the podcast it's quite I mean actually it's quite hard because of the technology uh because actually of the format of it you know you have to keep that conversation growing so that that's been a challenge for us I think but um and we're learning you know it's not like we sort of set off this series of podcasts going like right you know here's our podcast um you know we're going to tell you something actually you know we're learning as we go along and, and and that's as it should be.
0: So I think I think it might be me who said it earlier, but again, just another question to throw out. But I think one of the things we recognised early on was that, you know, we felt that people could really benefit from our work. And, you know, we tend to call it the Foundation for Change approach. It's not the most creative uh, title for it, but in a way, it's something that kind of encapsulates our way of doing things. How, again, just out of interest, how would you um, explain or describe what the FFC approach is? What is it to you? so to to me,
3: it's um, I suppose it was kind of pretty much what I was saying before. It's taking um, it's kind of like a education philosophy, if you will, um, taking uh, subjects like social history, feminism, psychology, Um, uh, which are actually generally really big topics and like people go to university to to study them um, for like three years. Um, And uh, I would I would say that the the approach that we have to education is sort of breaking those big topics down into, you know, making it really interesting, making it kind of fun and enjoyable to learn through discussion. and, um, you know, I think, you know, it's my experience as well as being a beneficiary like of Psychology for Change um, is the fact that I never read a lot of these big books. Like I tried, I really, I think I gave Freud a go when like I was younger and I just went, I don't understand it. Um, and then I find myself, you know, um, experiencing a course which breaks down Freud and just this like most, um, simple but it doesn't lose any of the gravitas or weight attached to understanding that theory um so I think you know is making education fun um enjoyable and um you know invigorating for the minds
0: and accessible
3: accessible bingo that's the word I was grasping for
4: (laughs) yeah I was just thinking as you were speaking Bex as well it's a bit because I loved him um Dummies books breaking stuff down for dummies, and um, that's that's how I feel. And um, you know that that's how it is. It is broken down in such a way that I feel anyone can sort of get it, you know. And that's that's how I see that um, it's broken down very much so. So it is really accessible and understandable for for anyone. I feel.
0: Yeah, it really annoys me. I think one of the things that really annoys me is when information and knowledge and wisdom or whatever you want to call it's kind of like it's really inaccessible and it's held by the people who have power so you see this a lot in like you know religion or you just see it in a lot of places where there's always this kind of middle man and it often is a man who is this kind of intermediary that kind of blocks access to this really great useful knowledge one thing for me is just like really like being able to um yeah, like break down those barriers and just like give people a real entry point into into really interesting stuff that can change people's lives.
5: It's um, it always reminds me. It goes back a bit this because it, it has been a um, it it it's been something that people have been talking about for a long time. Um, but whenever we we talk about what we do, I always think of the lollards. Um, who were a, a bunch of kind of people? I, th- I think I think it was like fifteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth century, and they were basically going around. They weren't academics, and basically they were going around make making um, church services and religion available for people. Well, not that that's what we do. Um, but it's that, you know, what they recognize that priests were, were were doing services in Latin and actually people really couldn't understand what was going on in their world. I mean, you know, take the religion bit out of it. it, it you know, it's about people like the church at that point, this moment, this point of contact for people that's really important. And it was all done in fucking Latin, and nobody knew what was going on. Over sitting there going, "Oh yeah, great, yeah, yeah." Uh, as, as as the priests were talking in Latin, and the lollards went about, you know, sort of helping um, people to understand what what was going on in in everyday language. So, anyway. Didn't this
0: happen in the Amish community? There was something like the Amish community. Um, the holy book is written in this very ancient form of German.
5: Oh, right. And there's only a
0: group of like 12 kind of like chosen men who know this <laughs> special language to decipher the Bible. Hi German. And then yeah, and then there was something about like they there was some group of people who started to learn this language because they wanted to have like direct access to the source of knowledge. And then they got kind of expelled from the Amish community. And I think they've like formed some like radical kind of like splinter sect <laughs> where they're all like trying to learn this language and disseminate this this language so that the information that they can kind of you know they're supposed to be living their lives by can actually make a difference.
5: They got really nice clothes as well, the Amish. So I like to think of ourselves as some, some splinter Amish group.
0: Yeah. um
5: I think language is actually really important to this. I mean, and I know I know it, it's important to to all of us who work at Foundation for Change, because you know, I think often what happens to people when they go and see um, psychologists or professionals, uh, they're asked how they feel, and they actually don't have a vocabulary for how they feel you know it's like how when someone says how do you feel and you don't really have the words you can kind of you can't express yourself and a lot i think a lot a lot of what what we're trying to do is give people the words to better describe their reality and i think that the the idea that the podcast is a kind of verbal media is is an interesting one because mm-hmm. what we, we, we try to do it in words that are, uh include swearing quite a lot and um, are easily easily absorbed, not just some highfalutin kind of academic
0: language. Totally. What, like, I mean, out of the kind of, I'm not including this one, obviously, but out of the 14 episodes we've done so far, what what episodes stand out for people?
3: For me, I think there were two real standout episodes, um, and it was ego defense mechanisms because. I really, really enjoy theory, which is encapsulate something quite simple. Um, And I remember specifically that time, I just was doing lots of daydreaming. I was kind of getting lost in my own head a little bit Um, and ego defense mechanisms look at something. uh, So Anna Freud is kind of features quite heavily in that episode. And uh, she just looks at, um, yeah, basically the defenses that we have, which, basically keep us protected from feeling kind of short-term quite excruciating feelings and one of them uh was not daydreaming it was kind of a um a fantasizing and I was like oh yeah I do that and I probably do that because I'm feeling a bit like oh crap there's lots of COVID going on at the moment um and so that was just a real standout moment for me um as a as, as a podcast because I went oh yeah I've identified something there <laughs> that's it that's you, you it you remember <laughs> yeah 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 um and I really kind of love bits of kind of theory or information which just encapsulate something really
0: simply what was the other one are you saving that for for later yeah I can save that for later. <laughs> let me save that one for later <laughs>
4: um I think for me it was the first one that we done grief grief and loss um, and I think just because of um, the way that I sort of felt that I thought I was the only one that felt like that as well. And um, so feeling like uh, someone had died and I was like feeling this really horrible grief feeling inside me. And I think us sort of doing that really, it really helped me to um, to identify that I'm not the only one that was feeling like that, that it was like someone had died and something really drastic had happened in my life. And I think we all sort of felt like that. So that for me was really good. And I liked the fact that, you know, because sometimes when you think of grief, you can only grieve if someone's died or something like that. And someone hadn't died, but that our whole, whole world had like sort of gone upside down. And I did actually feel like that. And I just remember the conversation I had with you, Bob. And it made so much sense. Like, it was actually okay. I am grieving, you know, we we are grieving. So that for me was... Um, It helped me to actually ground myself, I think, because I was feeling really um, unsure and uncertain of everything. As we said earlier, we had gone home, we wasn't in the office meeting up and I felt really, really, really scared. So having that and doing that was was really good. And to know that actually, yeah, I am grieving. I really
0: remember that because I remember you really helped plant the seed for that topic as well, because I remember that conversation. And also just thinking like, oh my God, like Tonya's really like nailed it because it was, it really nailed this feeling that I was feeling. And it's just kind of worth saying, you know, I think like, you know, a lot of us, I'm gonna speak for myself, like I know a lot of this theory, but I'm still a human being. And I still sometimes forget these theories. And, you know, like, it's not like, I just live this enlightened life now because I know theory. Um, I mean it definitely does help but I remember at that time kind of like carrying around this feeling it just felt like I was walking through treacle all the time like just trudging through this like day-to-day kind of weirdness Mm -hmm. and then having that conversation with you and also being a bit like this is grief you know we're kind of like more in mourning and we're kind of grieving the things that we've lost and you know that was a bit of a kind of bit of sand that entered the kind of you know and what was it, the oyster and became a pearl because I think that was the first podcast that we did.
4: Mm, Yeah, it made, as we say, made a lot of sense to me as well.
2: Um, I would say that one of mine would be the cognitive dissonance, as well as like the critical thinking one I did because like both of them together, especially the situation where we were in, we were getting given different messages you know we were seeing what was going on in the world and then getting completely different messages from from the government and different messages from what was actually going on with the nhs and the systems that were in place there and 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 having these kind of like different ways of coping with these different messages that we were getting and um and with the you know the critical thinking which is something i'm quite passionate about the fact that um you know, we don't so much use that much critical thinking. We kind of take things as what that what's you know kind of said without kind of questioning. Uh, and I think even in a situation where we're we're, we're so powerless, um, but as well as that, with such restrictions on our normal lives, you know, being able to kind of like put uh, pull into place in our brain w- what was kind of going on and, and make kind of sen- sense of that with the you know with what was going on with the cognitive dissonance and what was going on with like you know lack of critical thinking sometimes or you know so yeah that that was kind of like those things really kind of resonated with me i think
0: can i just say critical thinking i think was the most popular podcast yeah of all time so far
2: the greatest hit
0: yeah <laughs> Number one for several, several <laughs> consecutive weeks.
2: It's important, isn't it? It runs through everything.
4: Everything
5: we yeah. do. One, thing, one of the things that really makes me laugh is, um, I mean, ever historian, I really liked the Plagues and Power um, episode because I, I kind of didn't know much about um, what Tonya and Katie talked about. It was all kind of, well, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd, heard, I'd heard the term Typhoid Mary before, but I didn't really any know any of the history of it. I just found it really interesting, and the, one of the political commenters, uh, Ian Dunter, I think it is, or one of the, one of the guys that I follow on Twitter, always refers to Dido Harding, who runs Circo, as Typhoid Dido, and it <laughs> makes me laugh every time I read it. And I was just think of like, you know, it's just like it's just little things that lodge in your head. So you know, the, the, this kind of knowledge about Typhoid Mary, I just found it was really interesting, and uh, yeah, Typhoid Dido, very funny.
1: Well, I'm a bit different cuz I started off as a listener to the podcast. So I joined the team in like September. Um, but I I think I really like the endings one cuz I find that day on the psychology for change course really interesting. Um, cuz you kind of you learn how what regret is and why you feel it. So when um, I listen to the endings podcast, so many of our endings were taken away from us at the beginning of lockdown, like everything stopped. We didn't get to complete a lot of stuff. So it created a lot of maybe anxiety around stuff we kind of had taken away from us. So I think that podcast for me, when that came out, being reminded of that was really like relevant to me at the time. And it talked about sandwiches, which is always good.
0: Yes, (laughs) the sandwich loop. I remember for me, I'd forgotten about this, but there was just something touching on the cognitive dissonance thing where again I think it's a good example of like knowing stuff and then kind of applying it in real time and realizing like, oh wow, like like Liz was saying before, like knowledge isn't just this block, it's this kind of dynamic thing which takes on you know different relevance at different times. And I remember kind of, you know, being familiar with cognitive dissonance and And then kind of doing that podcast and like, you know, diving into this rabbit hole for a bit and then kind of like looking at my life for, I don't know, however long that time was, for like a week or something with this cognitive dissonance filter. And really realizing how, like, because we were getting such conflicting information and because, you know, there was this really really weird feeling, that which I've never had before, of of things feeling or things looking really normal. Because it was summertime and I remember being at home a lot, obviously, and... People walking past and stuff and there was something that just felt really normal and at the same time really abnormal and it was just this kind of like constant conflicting realities a lot of the time and I remember just realizing as you know as a result of kind of doing that podcast and the chat we had how exhausting it is to stay in a state of dissonance and it really explained a lot of kind of my exhaustion and tiredness it really helped helped me make sense of my feelings
1: I think everyone thought they were going through stuff alone, like the sleeping and the feeling tired all the time and the anxiety, like shopping. So when I suppose I was listening to you guys talking about it and thinking about myself, it's like, oh, everyone's feeling this. And then when you explained it and when you kind of relate to something, yeah, it makes sense of it. Uh,
0: By the way, Liz coined the name, which, as we can tell, was perfectly fitting for this
3: now we can't stop saying oh it's like you know it helps us make sense of it, well, yeah. this is it. <laughs> um i'm also a big kind of like found um what was really good about some of the podcasts is it, it normalizes um a lot of the you know uh, feelings and emotions people are going through you know i feel that there's a real stick to be you beat yourself up with especially you know in these times when we feel anxiety um you know you really just want to be rid of it you know you want to run away from it it's bad it's all of these things which have so many negative connotations um and i feel like you know that it's really important to 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 normalise, you know, these feelings and not just see them as something to run away from. Um, They're there for a reason, Mm -hmm. uh, which is something I think all of the podcasts wove kind of that theme into them.
0: It helped make sense of what people were doing. (laughs) (laughs) Running joke now. I. Uh, Yeah. Bex, what was your second?
3: So it was, it was that, the, what I was thinking of was the anxiety podcast, because, okay. you know, you were talking as well, Bob, about seeing things through the lens of cognitive dissonance when you were planning that podcast. It was the same for me with anxiety. I was seeing everything through the anxiety lens. And it was, um, I, I think I kind of noticed feelings in my body a bit more when planning that uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Like I could feel, you know, the difference between, you um, feeling anxiety or not having it, while normally I'd just go kind of like through life. And um, so it helped kind of normalize certain feelings of anxiety that, you know, I think were quite normal and I was having at the time. Um, and so that, yeah, that was second greatest hits from me.
0: Mm. So it's probably fair to say that um, none of us had any idea that this was gonna happen in the world (laughs) Um, I remember I remember being at my auntie's I think she was a like 70th birthday party or something and like the weekend before that lockdown and you know murmurs were starting to happen of something but you know Christ I had no idea that things were going to turn out the way that they have Um, and it's kind of you know interesting getting to the end of the year and just kind of looking back and I guess one of the questions that I'm thinking about and would like to ask everyone here is you know what what are your hopes for 2021 and beyond? You know, coming out of well, can't say we're coming out of it, but experiencing what we've experienced, coming to the end of the year and going into the next one. What are what are people's hopes?
5: I can go because immediately I thought, ah, yeah. What I hope is that 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 um, people are able to learn from the experience, you know, as always, you know, it's like actually have an experience and rather just then move on to the next experience, spend a little bit of time thinking about, you know, what they've learned. And I think one of my hopes is that that there is a greater compassion and, and, and understanding of, of mental and emotional health that we, we, we have learned, you know, as a society from this. So I think that's slightly optimistic, to be honest, but, you know, nevertheless, it's a hope.
0: Well, I mean, are you seeing that in kind of what you're reading and stuff?
5: No, that's why I think it's slightly. Uh. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just really? in the world. I'm just in the kind of echo chamber of Twitter. So, you know, Twitter's a kind of weird place to be. Um, but, you know, I, I, I hope, actually, I do hope. I, I think that there is greater uh, discussion and, um, you know, um, press coverage and just a general greater coverage of this idea of, of mental health and how important that is and how difficult that is to sustain mm-hmm. that's that's out there.
4: Yeah, I can come in there because I when you just um, said compassion, that's exactly what I was thinking for next year and um, 2021 just for compassion to be sort of um given to everybody. And I feel that um, you know uh, mental health and emotional well-being. I think is um, really important to reach out and to be compassionate with with people. And that's what I would hope. I don't know if that is a bit optimistic, either, but um, you know that is that is my hope for twenty twenty one and further.
5: Maybe it starts with the, with ourselves. You know, maybe it starts with being slightly compassionate to ourselves.
4: Definitely. I think so. I think that has definitely happened over the last eight months for me as well. Being in, a, in, being put into these positions where you have to be you know, looking at ourselves and sort of understanding ourselves in different ways as well. So compassionate to, to oneself and compassionate to everybody else as
3: well.
0: Yeah, I guess what I was going to say is kind of linked in the sense of, you know, something that starts from ourselves and is something to kind of build on. Because I really hope that people are able to see that. You know, they they are resilient. Right? You know, people are actually really adaptable. I mean, there's no kind of coincidence that, you know, we are the most successful species on the planet, even though we're kind of, you know, fucking everything up now, um, taking it a bit too far. But, you know, people are adaptable and people are really resilient and people have a lot of strengths that have taken them through this really, really tough time. And I really hope that people start to, to kind of really see that because I think it could be so easy to as we talked about one of the podcasts, I think it'd be so easy to dismiss the things which are getting you through on a day-to-day basis. And the fact that, you know, people are, even if things are really tough, there is something that's getting them through. So I hope that, you know, they can kind of start to see that resilience that they have and through that, you know, have some compassion for themselves.
3: And I hope, all, yeah, it's also compassion, but I hope for a better sense of community. Um, and support in the community. So, you know, I think Tonya and uh, Katie touched on it with Plagues and Power, but, um, you know, in so many cases, people are left like in isolation in order to manage whatever it is they're they're managing. And there has been like a sense of people getting together to um, work together for a greater kind of cause whether it be food banks um, or kind of work in the community. So I would like to see uh, that continue and people supporting each other in that way.
1: I think, I think it'd be nice if people um, weren't just willing to accept like a label of like I have anxiety or I feel angry to kind of want to learn about where that might be coming from and maybe give themselves a bit of compassion as they learn, you know, where these things come from and and like allowing themselves to feel like that. Because I think there's, you know, you're always told to shut down your emotions. I think by looking at how we've all responded to this year, maybe going forward, it's good to like allow yourself to feel emotions and to learn about them
0: yeah, I like that. Nicely put Antonia. Yeah, it's the, the normalising thing again isn't it? Yeah. It's like when you make sense of something you, um, you <laughs> can not help it, um, you normalise it and I think particularly like I think a really big one for me is around anger. You know it's one of the kind of emotions that's like demonised and I think that's probably the one that people are told to shut down the most. And I just think, actually, if you start to just, you know, lean into it a little bit and explore what it's about, actually, you might realise that it's really justified.
2: Yeah, I don't think I've got any much to add. Everyone's kind of, you know, said what I was going to (laughs) say. Much more eloquently than I probably could.
0: (laughs) Cool. Well, let's see what 2021 brings. Let's have Pollyanna as our Foundation for Change mascot.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: so yeah and we are going to be taking a bit of a break from the podcast and for ourselves um, having a new podcast being released on I think the 4th of Jan yeah Um, going back into our little systems mini-series so yeah and if you're listening to this if you have any suggestions for topics that you want covered like get in touch with one of us give us a shout
2: thanks Bob
0: you're welcome thanks everyone